Hey, welcome back to the Addicted to Healthy podcast, your one-stop destination for all things health and a kick-ass life. I'm Laurence, a certified nutritional practitioner and health coach and the host of the Addicted to Healthy podcast. So today I'm so excited to welcome Katrina McRae, who is a certified personal trainer with a bachelor's degree in communications. She specializes in using movement to support clients to feel stronger and more confident, both mentally and physically. And Jeanette Mason, who is a certified nutritional practitioner with a degree in cognitive science and psychology. She incorporates food-based healing to help her clients overcome mental health disorders, repair their digestive system, and feel great in their bodies. She's passionate about sharing her knowledge and hosts workshops and seminars across Canada. And today we're going to talk all about mental health, especially focusing on anxiety and depression. So hold on tight. We're going to go through a lot of different factors to mental health and what you can do about it and what's involved. So it's going to be a really awesome episode today and I hope you enjoy. Welcome, Katrina and Jeanette, to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you guys here today. This has been a plan of mine to have you on for a long time, so I'm so excited to finally have you on. Yay, amazing. Thank you so much. happy to be here. So today we're going to talk about specifically mental health. I know that's your focus, Um, so we're going to dive into everything revolving around anxiety, depression, how to feel your best, and to be sharp. And I wanted to kind of just get you guys to introduce yourselves briefly, um, who you are, what you do. Fantastic. Well, um, I guess I'll go first. (laughs) So I'm Jeanette. Um, I am a certified nutritional practitioner with a focus in mental health. Uh, I've been in this field for a couple of years now, um, but my, I guess, kind of my my intro to to mental health was really started many, many, many years ago um, with my own struggles and Uh, It was actually when I was in university that I first started learning a little bit more about psychology and cognitive science and how to use different therapies to help combat things like anxiety and depression. Amazing. What about you, Katrina? Hi, I'm Katrina. I'm a certified personal trainer. I'm focusing mostly on mental health and movement and how uh, exercise can support things like anxiety and depression. Um, I initially got into personal training after also dealing with anxiety myself and it kind of led me down this rabbit hole of exercise and nutrition. Um, I also have a background in communications as well which is uh, handy when you're working with people uh, usually eight hours a day and helping them train and move. For sure I would agree with that and I love how you guys have a different perspective on it. Um, Of course we know that movement and nutrition are so fundamental for health, but especially mental health, which we will go into. Um, and it's just a common theme with people I interview are just nutritionists, healthcare practitioners that I've met and that I see online are just practicing that we all have a struggle or we overcome something and that usually leads us into doing this work. So mm-hmm. again, we have this coming up. I always see this. So it's really inspiring and really interesting to get your guys' stories. So I kind of want to go into how your story with mental health really got you where you are today and kind of what your struggles were. So that would you like to go first? Sure. Yeah. I wasn't sure. Um, yeah, so absolutely. So, um, Myself, I've dealt with anxiety, um, I feel like, most of my life. It definitely started in high school and then got progressively worse uh, in university um, when I, you know, moved away from home for the first time, kind of having to take on a lot of new responsibilities while also juggling um, a rowing at a very high level um, for the university that I was attending. So um, with all that, uh, I would say my anxiety attacks just kind of got stronger and stronger. And I remember at certain points, particularly during second and third year university, where there would be times that I couldn't leave my place um, because the anxiety has just gotten so bad. And I would just be overthinking things to the point where, you know, can't really move, can't really think clearly. And um, yeah, so I spent a lot of time alone um, for a couple years. And that, uh, that was probably like the lowest point um, that I've ever reached when it came to my own personal mental health. And Katrina? 
So, yeah, my uh, my story is fairly similar to Jeanette's in the sense that my anxiety has been around for a long time. Um, I grew up in a household that wasn't super expressive with emotions, so it was quite difficult to be, um, you know, uh, an emotional child or highly anxious. Um, also, my apologies, I'm currently walking up a hill right now. If I sound out of breath, <laughs> um, speaking of exercise, um, and uh, yeah, so my struggles began in high school, and uh, it was actually not until I would say like was 22 or so where things actually started to get harder. Um, my experience with anxiety is quite physical, so what I mean by that is I oftentimes wouldn't feel anxious until my body reacted. So I would have these um, random bouts of like a very, very elevated heart rate that would seemingly come out of nowhere. Um, just be sitting all of a sudden up to 136 beats per minute, very, very anxious, sweating, and there was nothing necessarily tied to it. So upon um, further research through you know therapy and and actually being in and out of the hospital a few times because I was really convinced that there was something wrong with me physically, um, I realized that I was suffering from a panic disorder. So it took me a little bit of time to, uh, to figure out what was happening in my body. But um, fortunately, I discovered exercise and uh, it made a huge difference in you know, my, my management of emotions and the management of my stress. Um, but it took me uh, quite a couple of years to get to where I am now because uh, it wasn't actually, you know, about a year ago that I had this similar experience to Jeanette where I couldn't leave my house. I was very isolated. Um, I struggled to get things done on my own because I was afraid of having panic attacks in public. Um, it just became really, really challenging to just live my day-to-day -day life. Um, that's changed as of recent, but of course we still, you know, struggle with these things every single day for sure. Yeah, it's something that's becoming very common, um, something I've dealt with as well. I even read a study that apparently one in five Canadians struggle with some sort of mental illness in their life. So mm -hmm. I think it's just becoming worse and worse. And um, it was something that was really taboo to talk about for a long time. And it looks like it's finally starting to gain momentum about putting it out there and talking about it, whether it's stress, yeah, anxiety, depression, whatever. So and I really love what you guys are doing because you're bringing it to the light. We'll be talking about your event that's coming up. So it's really the first step, I think, is being open about it and starting a conversation. 100%. Mm -hmm. And so why would you guys think that anxiety and depression has become so common nowadays? I don't know if it's because we're talking more about it, but it does seem like it's on the rise. Um, and of course, there are different factors. But what would you guys think is, are the main underlying factors to that? Yeah, Ooh, so that's, a, that's a tricky question. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, like build, building on your point, there are definitely a number of factors um, that are causing this. I mean, number one, I would say social media. Um, it has like a positive as well as a negative approach to it. Um, the positives is that it's kind of been, it's a little bit easier to create a community around people that have dealt with mental health issues in the past. And it's um, a little bit easier for people to, to reach out for help when they feel like um, maybe they need it. Um, or if they, you know, don't feel comfortable in a therapy session, um, they can go online and there are a lot of resources now. Um, and then the negative side of social media, of course, is that it can cause a lot of these mental health issues. Um, so whether it's because of comparison or just not feeling fulfilled um, in your own life um, or a number of other factors as well, too, um, social media is definitely playing a big, big role in why there's more accounts of people that are dealing with anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. I completely agree with that. That was actually going to be my first point. Um, not only that, though, it's... It's, it's a culture that we live in of, of always moving, always rushing one thing to the next. There's never really any time or place to just sit back and relax and reflect. And I'm definitely guilty of this as well. Um, it's really, really tough when you're, when you're living in a, in a place where there's so much stimulation and you're, you're always on the go. There's always something to do. There's always someone to talk to. Um, contrastly, it can actually create a bit of isolation in how much connection that we have. Um, I find that people struggle the most when they don't feel connected to something. So it, it feels like now in 2018, when we're supposed to be so interlinked with each other, we're actually further and further apart. Um, 
I think that plays a huge role. And then, of course, in a you know consumer culture where we're constantly just grabbing something on the go to eat, not sitting and actually enjoying our food or digesting properly, um, convenient snacks, um, all these things we know play a huge role in um, not only the physical health of the person, but also in the mental health as well. Yeah, completely agree with that. I think I also like that you brought up the lack of connection, even though we're connected more than ever now, and we're constantly in contact with people, especially on our phones, but we're actually lacking that physical connection, which is mm-hmm. human nature. We need that. Um, and it's yeah. also creating yeah problems with communication, and we're just not having that human connection anymore. So I think those are really good points to bring up. And of course, as nutritionists, we are going to talk about food, <laughs> the fundamental. Um, so yeah, I want to talk a little bit about how nutrition really plays a role in mental health. Yeah. I think it's really important. And one of the things that, of course, we learned at nutrition school is how the gut actually affects the brain so profoundly. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk a little bit about the gut-brain connection and why why healing our gut and working on our gut health can really change the way we think and feel. Absolutely. So um, actually, just before we jump into that, I just wanted to make one note about, um, about food, because I think this is something that doesn't really get talked about too much. But if we're kind of, um, sorry, Laurence, I'm like jumping back to what you were talking about before. About no, why. please do, please do. <laughs> um, and then you can kind of fit it in, whatever. But um, about why like anxiety and depression um, statistics are on the rise. Well, a lot of it also has to do with our food supply. Um, and especially with, you know, the erosion of minerals um, and vitamins from our soils, creating a void of basically of these vitamins and minerals that are so necessary for proper mental function, proper cognitive function, um, but then also for um, just a, a like overall balanced mood as well, too. So um, I think that's really important to address because if people are not paying attention to the quality of food that they're having um, and then supplementing where necessary, um, sometimes issues like anxiety, um, which then can lead into depression, can arise. For sure. I really like that you brought that up. It's definitely, if we're not getting the nutrients we need, and especially for the brain to function properly, then of course we're going to have trouble, right? Mm-hmm. And so obviously another point with digestion is if we aren't digesting our food properly, then we're not getting those nutrients either, right? Yes. And I think there's a lot to talk about with the, um, the gut microbiome as well, because um, we know lots of neurotransmitters are made in the gut. Mm-hmm. So what can you say about um, gut health in general? How does that affect our brain? Can Absolutely. you talk a little bit about the link? Yeah, yeah. So it's a bit of um, a cyclical effect. So when we are stressed, we go into something called fight or flight mode. And this takes away a lot of attention um, that would otherwise be placed into the way that our body is able to digest, break down and assimilate nutrients. So if we're in a constant state of stress, um, which then can lead itself into something like an anxiety disorder or a panic disorder um, or depression, all of these instances will essentially be creating not a very great environment for your body to actually be able to utilize the nutrients that you're taking uh, in. Um, In addition to that, there can be a lot of destruction that is then happening inside your, your digestive system, especially with our intestinal walls. So again, if we're constantly in a state of stress, it can cause a lot of wear and tear happening to our intestines because some of the food that is passing through our digestive system is going through partially undigested. Um, And because of this, it can actually create little tears along the intestinal wall. Um, These tears, as I know you know, and probably a lot of people know now, um, because it is becoming um, more and more mainstream, and uh, there's a lot of great information out there, but these little tears can cause an issue called leaky gut. Um, And if we have something like leaky gut and it's lasting for a while, it's been around in our bodies for, you know, even more than just a couple weeks, um, it can cause a lot of issues when it comes to um, absorption of those nutrients and then, of course, utilization of those nutrients as well, too. Yeah, that's definitely becoming more and more common. Mm -hmm. It's a term that's really becoming um, utilized more and more by doctors and medical practitioners. So to continue with nutrient absorption... What are some nutrients that are really vital to brain function and mental health? 
yeah. So I would say there are probably going to be about four big ones. Uh, there's definitely more, but these are the ones that I often see in my practice um, when people come to me with issues like anxiety and depression, and we're looking at um, things that they are low in. Um, so the first one, um, which is also very common for most people uh, that live in North America and eat kind of a, a standard uh, North American diet, um, is magnesium. So magnesium we get from a lot of great foods, actually, um, you know, dark leafy greens, nuts, seeds, um, a number of different uh, food sources for it. Um, but again, if we're suffering from something like leaky gut, um, we're not paying attention to how we're eating, being mindful while we're eating, giving ourselves a chance to really absorb and break down those nutrients, um, we can become deficient in it. And that can be a cause of many different mental uh, illnesses. Yep. So magnesium is number one. Mm -hmm. I think that that also kind of brought up a point that I know there, for me too, when I was having a lot of problems with my gut, um, that I could definitely see linking with, you know, mental health, um, and leaky gut. Mm -hmm. But even if you're eating all the right foods and all these are taking supplements for that matter, but you're not absorbing it, you have leaky gut, then it's kind mm -hmm. of a waste, right? Exactly. So yeah, you really want to get to the root of it, first of all. So obviously, if the cause of your leaky gut is that you are just too stressed out to really, you know, calm yourself down, get out of that fight and fight or flight mentality, and get into that rest and digest that we love so much, um, then of course, you're not going to be able to fix it, no matter how many amazing healing supplements, herbs and adaptogens that you take. Um, so really getting to the root first is very important. Definitely. So what would be number two? So number two would be B vitamins. Um, again, B vitamins we get from a number of different from a number of different food sources, um, but they are incredibly nourishing for our adrenal glands. Um, and our adrenals are actually responsible for producing and regulating our cortisol, uh, which is our stress hormone, which gets released when we are in that fight or flight mentality when we're dealing with things like anxiety and depression. Awesome. And then you said there were two more? Two more, yeah. So another really important one um, is iron. Now, um, I always suggest that people get a blood test to see their actual iron levels, because um, this is one that can be a little tricky and cannot necessarily be beneficial for everyone. Um, but especially women that are suffering from anxiety attacks and panic attacks, I really like to see where their iron levels are at because there are many studies across, um, from many different universities actually around the world that show the correlation between low iron and an increased level of anxiety. Um, the main reason, um, in case you were wondering, um, but this is kind of like my cognitive science nerd side coming out, but iron is actually a great um, carrier for oxygen to the brain. So if we're not getting enough oxygen, that's when a lot of the, the kind of fight or flight symptoms will start to arise. Interesting. I don't think we usually link iron to like mental health. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting and obviously great that you brought that one up. And I think it's one with myself or even most um, girls that are menstruating that mm -hmm. they are lacking in. So I think it's a really important one. And it's great that you brought up to test it. Because if you are supplementing and you have too much, then that can be a problem too. Yeah, absolutely. And number four, so the fourth is actually omega-3s. Um, omega-3 fatty acids, I mean, they've been doing studies with the correlation between omega-3s and mental health since the 60s, um, which is great, but it hasn't really been mainstream knowledge until more recently. Um, so really making sure that one, of course, you are getting your omega-3s, um, whether from fish or from algae source, um, and that it's particularly high in EPA. Um, that is also very, very important. So we want to focus on the EPA number. What usually do you recommend people look for? Like what kind of number? Yeah, typically, you know, a two to one ratio. Um, normally, it's going to be in the range of about uh, 600 milligrams to 300 milligrams EPA to DHA. It can be different, though, if you are a vegan and you're looking at an algae source, that number is going to be quite a bit lower. Um, so I would just say, just look for a good quality omega-3 oil um, with a higher EPA to DHA ratio. Awesome. That's definitely one of my favorite supplements. Um, <laughs> I've definitely seen a big difference. So Katrina, you mentioned that you had an experience with 
nutrient malabsorption and gut issues that also played a role with your mental health. Can you talk a little bit about that? Definitely. Well, um, I wasn't completely aware that my mental health had anything to do with my gut, actually, until I met Jeanette, which was probably almost a year ago now. Um, we started working together, became friends, and uh, she ran some tests on me, and uh, I realized that I actually wasn't absorbing a lot of the things I was eating. Um, I had really terrible indigestion. Um, I felt sick a lot of the time, actually. Like, I was always bloated. Um, obviously, not only do the effects of malabsorption um, impact you nutritionally, but feeling, feeling bloated and heavy and sick all the time um, also affected my mental health in a way that I didn't expect. Like, I felt very uncomfortable wearing certain clothes because, you know, like, I could feel there was a lot of pressure in my gut. I felt constantly nauseous. Like, it just seemed like something wasn't right. So, um, of course, like I didn't, I didn't like my anxiety to that at the time, but I think it definitely played a huge role considering with my anxiety, I was constantly in that fight or flight response. So, um, it's no wonder I wasn't absorbing things properly because I was constantly just getting hit with, you know, big drops in cortisol and, you know, I was always, uh, I was always stressed out. So yeah, that played a, a huge role for sure. Yeah, I can definitely relate. I think it's so common for people to bloat or not go to the bathroom or just feel mm -hmm. just feel up just not feeling great, especially when it comes yeah. to digesting your food. And um, and it's kind of become normalized. It's kind of like PMS. Yeah. It's become normalized and because it's so common. But once you address that and you actually don't bloat and you can like feel good after eating it's like oh my god this is a thing <laughs> you know totally <laughs> yeah so I also want to talk about we talked about nutrient absorption mm -hmm. and what else can you talk about when it comes to the gut affecting the brain what else yeah. is involved in that yeah, absolutely. So um, I think you mentioned it early on, but definitely our microbiome. So um, for those of you that maybe don't know exactly what our microbiome is, um, but it is essentially bacteria and we are made up of thousands and thousands and thousands of bacteria all over our bodies, um, but a good portion of them do reside in our gut. Um, so we want to make sure that our microbiome, especially in our gut, is very happy because it is actually responsible for producing about 90% of our serotonin, which is our happy hormone. Um, you know, if any of our hormones are ever out of balance in any way, this can actually cause a domino effect and can negatively affect many other hormones in our bodies as well, too. Um, so I think what I really want to say is for people that um, are in that anxious state uh, for a long time and their cortisol is really high, um, this can often cause things like diarrhea. Um, of course, we talked about leaky gut, um, but it can cause like a shift in our beneficial bacteria, almost to the point where we're actually losing a lot of it. Um, and when that happens, we end up getting an overproduction of bad bacteria um, because now there's more room for them to kind of grow and, and live and be. Um, and this, of course, is going to have a huge effect on our serotonin levels, therefore our happy levels. Um, yeah. Right. So we're making serotonin and the feel-good hormones in the gut with our good gut bacteria. And mm -hmm. then if we have dysbiosis, so overgrowth of bad bacteria compared to good, mm -hmm. what happens? Do they also produce like byproducts that are going to negatively affect us? Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, aside from the actual like chemical reactions that occur in the body, um, what's really bad is that obviously we're not going to be able to, you know, digest our food properly. We're going to have a lot of the issues that um, Katrina had mentioned earlier. So, you know, the feeling bloated, um, it can be gas, there can be even pain um, when dysbiosis occurs. So it's definitely something that you want to address as soon as possible, um, because this is, of course, going to have a huge effect on your mood. Definitely agree. So probiotics would play a good role in that. Probiot yeah, probiotics are fantastic. Um, one thing I do want to say, though, is that taking probiotics is great and all, but you want to make sure that you have lots of prebiotic foods um, to really help feed and help those probiotics grow, especially if you've been dealing with um, dysbiosis or an imbalance of good to bad bacteria for quite some time. So it's basically the food that the probiotics feed on. 
Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So it's different types of fiber. Um, some of my favorite ones would be things like garlic and onions. Um, it's really funny that oftentimes we will crave exactly what our body needs. So I know myself, I, I still suffer from issues um, with, you know, my microbiome being a little bit off and I'm always craving garlic and onions. Um, so there's a good reason for that. Yeah, but other good ones would be things like asparagus and bananas and, you know, different types of greens, um, artichokes. There's so many. Amazing. So we can also supplement it with it, but you can also get it through food. Same thing as probiotic, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. And so you talked a little bit about neurotransmitters. Can you kind of expand on that? Like what are the big ones that you want to address when it comes to mental health and feeling good and all of that? Well, I think like the number one uh, neurotransmitter that we really want to focus on is serotonin, um, because with a lack of serotonin, this is often when um, pharmaceuticals like SSRIs or serotonin reuptake inhibitors um, come into play. And so um, there are a number of different precursors um, to serotonin, um, tryptophan being one of the main ones. Um, so, you know, everything kind of works very much um, together. So if one is low, the other ones are going to be low as well too. Right. And then one way would be with the gut health. So that's where we make a lot of serotonin and mm -hmm. foods as well would be making up neurotransmitters. They would be kind of the building blocks, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we need to make sure that um, when we're looking at our diet, we're having enough protein and enough fat. Um, protein, of course, is the building blocks of many of our hormones. And when we're talking about hormones and neurotransmitters, this kind of goes back and forth. Um, hormones, um, when we say something that is a hormone, of course, that's just something that uh, is able to send a signal um, from one area of the body to the other. Um, neurotransmitters is talking specifically um, with the brain. Right. Mm -hmm. So one way to address that, well, two ways, as we talked about, would be healing the gut and then making sure we're eating healthy protein and fats. Those would be probably the two first steps to take. Yeah, the two main ones for sure. And of course, like there are supplements that you can look at getting as well too that can help boost up these neurotransmitters. Um, but I think, of course, going to the root cause is going to be um, most important. Of course. Yeah, so what I was going to say, just in the same vein of um, boosting those feel-good hormones through food, it can also be done through exercise. So um People know that when you exercise, you get a boost of these feel-good hormones, which are basically structurally similar to morphine. Um, they're considered natural painkillers, and they help to activate the uh, opioid receptors in the brain, um, which makes you feel good. Um, not only that, it can bring about you know, euphoria, feelings of well-being, things like that. Um, but also, uh, it actually gives you a huge, huge boost of um, like physical and mental confidence as well, which kind of like continues the cycle of those feel-good hormones. Um, and not only that, uh, the act of um, doing something physical, like putting your body through, um, you know, like a high-intensity workout, things like that, um, it helps your body to physically stand stressors better. So what I mean by that is that while you're exercising, um, it gives your body the opportunity to practice the response to stress um, to help kind of streamline communication between all the different systems that are involved with stress. Um, basically meaning that like if, we, if we're active, uh, we become better at handling stress. Um, and that is just in line of, you know, the boost in serotonin um, and norep norepinephrine as well um, that we know helps to reduce uh, depression and stress. And uh, yeah, basically just helps to um, enhance the body's natural ability to respond to stressors through those uh, neurotransmitters. Yeah, I think we've all experienced that where we have the rush of endorphins. Usually it comes totally. like at a specific time and you're like, okay, I, it's coming, you know? Whereas, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah like oh I don't want to do this but then after you feel so much better mm -hmm. so that's exactly yeah and that's that's that boost right there yeah yeah it does feel good for sure and um I like how you also brought up stress because as we know exercise is a stress but it can also be a good mm -hmm. or bad stress yes and I think that I mean there's some people who don't exercise at all and then some people who over exercise can you talk a little bit about like the two different 
degrees. Like if you're not exercising at all, mm-hmm. if you're over-exercising and you need to kind of find a balance, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, the thing is, is, is over-exercising or over-training is actually quite difficult to do um, in the traditional sense. So symptoms of overtraining include things like an elevated heart rate, um, sleep, like insomnia, um, poor appetite, things like that. It's quite severe and it takes a lot to get to that point. However, um, there are people that over-exercise in the sense that they're doing, let's say, um, lots of lots of cardio all the time that kind of plays into a bit more into like a body image disorder, which is something that we can cover or not cover. Um, But finding a balance between uh, being sedentary and being uh, an over-exerciser, there's a huge gap in there. Um, Sedentary lifestyles, um, unfortunately, increase, you know, risks of things that we don't want in our lives, like um, high blood pressure, can increase your risk of diabetes, heart attacks, Um, The list goes on and on, but also um, it doesn't allow for necessarily a functional life. And what I mean by that is, you know, I'm sure you've seen it. We've all experienced it. Um, In 2018, much of the population has a text neck because they're hunched over their phones. They're hunched over their computers. Um, Oftentimes we're working in jobs where we're required to sit for eight hours and stare at a screen, which you know, is not great for our mental health, first of all, but also for our physical health. It creates a lot of tightness and imbalances in the body that um, over time lead to things like, you know, um, hunched shoulders, hunched back. You see this with a lot of our elderly population as well. And, you know, they're they're holding themselves over top of their bodies, um, severe things like, uh, you know, osteoarthritis, osteoporosis, um, things that erode the bones in the body. Um, And strength training can help with those things, uh, and as well as, you know, more aerobic exercises as well. So um, the way to find a balance is, I mean, first of all, it's always good to consult someone before you start an exercise routine, just to be sure that, you know, you're in a good position to, to work out, um, whether that's your doctor or going in to see a personal training and get a consultation is a great place to start. But you want to be exercising, um, first of all, to a degree that feels comfortable with you to start with. Um, I like to suggest, you know, like three strength training sessions a week um, of very, very, you know, mild to start with and ensuring that you're using correct form. So maybe having someone check that for you or seeing a trainer um, and then really just smart starting small, like get out for a walk 20 minutes after dinner, just move your body. Um, anything is better than nothing. So just do something. Um, the more that we move, the better our body is going to be at, you know, processing the food that we eat, at digesting, and then, of course, at handling things like stress and anxiety. Um, not only is exercise going to make us feel good, but it also gives us a chance to focus on our bodies and gets us out of our brain, which is, you know, for anyone who's experiencing depression and anxiety can be isolating and incredibly difficult to break free from. So, giving yourself the chance and the space to care for yourself um, and kind of pull yourself out of your brain just for even 20 minutes a day is going to be an amazing place to start. Yeah, I love that. I think that's very important, especially nowadays where we're more isolated. We're not really moving as much like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's also great because there's so many options now. Like if you want to do a workout class, if you want to go outside, Mm -hmm. do something, there's so many different Mm -hmm. activities and workouts available. So, I mean, the excuse of not having something that you like is kind of not possible because there's there's something for everybody, right? And you That's absolutely true. Yeah, and then like you mentioned, you can start out small too. You don't have to run a marathon to be able to say that you had a good workout. Just going for no. a walk is great. So I love that you mentioned that. Absolutely. And and on that same point too is that it shouldn't be like that. You shouldn't have to, you know, run a marathon to feel like you had a good workout. Um, there's this conception in the training industry for a lot of people, a lot of clients that I see that they need to leave that session feeling like their ass is going to fall apart and that like their legs are going to shake the next day and all these things. It's like, it doesn't have to be that way and it shouldn't be that way. Um, Correct training is one that teaches you how to move your body effectively and efficiently. It doesn't mean that you're going to leave the sorest you've ever felt. If that's what you're looking for, then you're looking for something a little bit different. Um, You want to start slow. 
then you want to feel good the next day. You don't want to feel like you never want to move again. <laughs> so figuring out a balance of, of how to train properly is like the utmost, most important thing that you can do. And like you said, there's so many options. It's just obviously it's tough if you're dealing with something like depression to break out of the cycle of depression and actually motivate yourself to do something that's going to be good for your health. Oh, for sure. And I think that's also a good point that um, if you literally work out to your depleted, you're on the floor crawling, mm -hmm. I think that you went too far. That's how I kind of oh, yeah. manage my workouts. Like I feel like I push myself. I'm sweating. Um, I feel a little bit sore, but I feel energized. Like I don't feel like yes. I'm going to die, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So I think that's a good way to measure it too. Awesome. Absolutely. So moving on, I just wanted to kind of talk about you, uh, Jeanette, you mentioned a little bit about conventional routes. So SSRIs, things like that. Um, how can you kind of compare the conventional route versus the holistic route when it comes to things like depression and anxiety? Yeah. So um, as holistic practitioners, um, Katrina and myself, it I think like our, our main message is that of course, um, there's definitely a time and a place for conventional medicine. Um, and if someone is in a position where they cannot get out of bed in the morning or their anxiety is so bad that it's really interfering with their life, then absolutely this is when you wanna look at a conventional route to really help um, you know, to kind of address those symptoms as quickly as possible. Um, now, that doesn't mean that you have to totally stray away from holistic modalities, because oftentimes we can use things like holistic nutrition and holistic personal training and Chinese medicine and Ayurveda and all these other things to really help support the body, even while it's taking something like an SSRI. Yeah, I love that there's so many options too, and it's great that we can address things like you said with conventional route, but then you can also support it with nutrition and exercise because mm -hmm. as holistic really means the whole being, you really want to address the whole, the whole Absolutely. system, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it does um, in instances like this, when someone is, um, you know, taking conventional medicine and maybe they're looking to get off of an SSRI or get off of that medication, it's really, really important that they work with some form of a practitioner um, because yeah. our brain chemistry is so intricate and we have to be very, very careful that we do not sway too much in one direction or the other. Um, so I think that that's really important um, to note. Um, but then with that said, there are some things um, like adaptogenic herbs um, and, you know, um, calming mushrooms that someone could take, um, even in conjunction with the medication that they're already on. Um, I would just say, you know, go and see um, a pharmacist or, you know, call your doctor up just to make sure that there are no contraindications for, for you sure. specifically. Yeah, you definitely don't want to go through that by yourself. Definitely want to find support. So we talked a little bit about holistic roots. So, of course, nutrition is one of them, but exercise is another one. So how can you talk a little bit about depression and anxiety addressing those with exercise, Katrina? So, I mean, there's, there's so many reasons why exercise is great for your mental health. Um, of course, the, the boost in endorphins, like we already touched on. Um, but impressively exercise also increases the size of your hippocampus which is responsible for things like memory and mood um, it's a very very uh, important part of the brain um so not only does exercise make you you know physically feel better but it actually helps your brain get bigger as well so by you know getting bigger muscles and getting a bigger brain uh, it's kind of like a, a sweet two-for-one deal um, they also show that uh, depression and anxiety can be treated with exercise in clinical studies. Um, it's been said that up to, you know, 12% of all depression cases could be treated effectively through exercising even just for 30 minutes a day in most people. So if you can imagine um, these people who are going to their doctors and, you know, with complaints of things like depression and they're being prescribed um, medications for these things, um, Imagine a world where, you know, the first thing that a doctor asked was, you know, what do you eat and how do you move? 
what a uh, what a world that could be because I mean it would save a lot of money also but I mean using something so simple as just simply going for a light jog for half an hour a day can help you know seriously reduce the symptoms of depression and anxiety um, and I, I, I want to touch really briefly on body image as well because I know I kind of mentioned before that for me with my you know poor malabsorption in my stomach I was having a lot of issues with bloating and just general discomfort um it really impacted my my confidence as well because the fact that I was feeling sick so often and I like wasn't fitting into my clothes properly like something was very clearly going wrong um and it impacted the way that I saw myself in my body and I find in a lot of my clients as well, one of the biggest things we have to tackle up front is their interaction with themselves and their physical bodies. So we know the wonderful effects of exercise can bring about things like weight loss and, you know, improving overall and general health. But I think that at the core, the most important thing uh, with exercise is improving the way that we see ourselves and the way that we interact with our bodies. So by Putting someone on a program, you know, who maybe, like myself, suffers from pretty extreme anxiety and panic, I had a really hard time exercising initially because I was uncomfortable in my body, um, I was uncomfortable elevating my heart rate because, you know, an elevated heart rate to me was um, symptomatic of a panic attack, so I had a hard time doing something that, you know, would eventually cause me to feel good, I just didn't know how to get there. And in my clients, I see this all the time, I've experienced clients who have troubles exercising in front of a mirror because of, you know, seeing themselves reflecting back at them. They were so uncomfortable by it. Um, giving someone an exercise routine that helps to build their strength physically, boost their endorphins, and makes them see themselves in a different light, I think is one of the most empowering things that we can do as personal trainers. We'll talk a lot about, you know, just getting, you know, getting strong, you know, aesthetic things, wanting to look in the mirror, see ab definition, things like that. It's like, that's all, you know, peripheral stuff. The most important thing is, you know, like Jeanette always talks about starting at the root cause. So we think about exercise as this outward thing, but really as an inward thing. How do we feel about ourselves? Um, I see these transformations in my clients with depression and anxiety where they do something they never could have done before. Or they work out in front of a mirror and they don't feel immediately uncomfortable with themselves. It's, it's so beautiful and so empowering to see. And um, I like to think about exercise as that as opposed to just doing something for the aesthetic. So it's very clear to me in my own personal experience how exercise can improve mental health. But also I see that on the faces of my clients when they're able to lift something heavier they couldn't do before. And if someone compliments them on, you know, like, Oh, your arms are looking really strong. Like you, you seem like you feel different. Um, and it's that, it's just that it's the feeling, right? It's feeling better and feeling more strong and powerful in your body. Yeah. I love that you brought that up because I think that you can also, address this, um, that exercise is mainly used for aesthetic reasons. I think that's mm -hmm, the main driving mm -hmm. point. And being able to address the root cause is super important. I think that even for me, when I'm going through a workout and I don't want to do it, or I'm just kind of dragging my feet, and finding that moment where you push through like a really difficult moment, and you really have to rely yeah. on your willpower, it's a mm -hmm. pretty good feeling and it makes you feel kind of badass too, right? So Yes, girl. Yeah, moments <laughs> like that and then committing to actually taking care of your body with movement and nutrition, uh, I think it's really important. And, of course, the mental health side effects that are positive that comes with exercising yes. is a bonus, right? So, yeah, mm -hmm. I really like that you address that. And another thing that I want to address as well with exercise and uh, nutrition is blood sugar because I think this is also another epidemic is blood sugar imbalances. It's pretty mm -hmm. rare to find someone who has their blood sugar balanced, to be honest, um, even in like the health world. And I really want to address um, blood sugar balances and how that affects the brain and how you can um, really address that with exercise and nutrition. So if any of you guys want to speak about that. So, um, so of course, um, we want to make sure that when someone is starting, you know, a holistic routine, you know, with all the things that we're talking about, fitness is definitely very, very important. I noticed a huge difference in myself um, when I started working with Katrina and really putting um, 
you know, an emphasis on moving every day, um, but not just, you know, in my usual, like, walk with the dog or, you know, go and, and go on the rowing machine for a little bit, but for with an actual, like, purpose and focus, um, it definitely, you know, touching on the things that uh, Katrina was talking about before, definitely improved my confidence, but I noticed a huge decrease um, in my anxiety attacks as well, too. Um, something that I think is really important to address, however, is that when someone is starting a new exercise routine, or maybe even if they've been doing this for a while, um, we really want to make sure that everyone knows um, to make sure that their blood sugar is staying balanced um, throughout the workout as well as after. Um, one of the, I would say, one of the primary causes um, of anxiety, especially in young people today, is having um, insulin resistance. Um, so basically that means that we're not actually able to break down, um, absorb, and assimilate um, any sort of sugars that are coming into our bloodstream through our diet. Um, so I'm not talking about, you know, just the candies and talking about any sort of carbohydrates and really any sort of food in general aside from fats um, will eventually break down into glucose and we want to make sure that our body is able to process that effectively. Um, the reason is that, of course, when we have really, really high blood sugar, so if this is, you know, um, we decided to grab like a candy bar on the way home from work because we're feeling a little bit hungry, you know, all of a sudden we kind of get this huge surge um, of these, sorry, I'm like losing my train of thought. <laughs> my dog like has her ball on the balcony. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm trying to get my mind. A huge surge. Uh <laughs> yes, a huge surge of, um, of different hormones. So um, I know Katrina talked about this um, in the beginning, but things like norepinephrine, dopamine, serotonin, all these things that make us feel really, 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 really good. Um, but these high levels do not last. And it's really with that crash that all of a sudden we start to feel anxious and we start to feel really, really low and we notice our mood essentially will follow the same wave as our blood sugar cycles. So um, obviously it's kind of hard to show without having like, you know, slides or like a piece of paper in front of us, but throughout the day, our blood sugar will rise and fall. Um, and with that, of course, our moods can rise and fall as well too, um, in conjunction with, you know, how much, how much energy and how much glucose is kind of roaming through our cells and through our bloodstream. Um, what's really, really important um, when it comes to exercise and anxiety is that when we are going into a workout, um, it's okay if we're going into it fasted. We just want to make sure that we are really replenishing our glucose stores um, after workouts, so making sure that we're getting enough protein and we're getting enough carbohydrates um, to ensure that our blood sugar will be able to be nice and stable throughout the rest of the day. Um, and then of course, too, if you're, if you're not working out that day, it's also really important to make sure that you're really eating foods that have a slow release um, of sugar. So things like, like fats and proteins um, that just break down a little bit slower and are going to help to regulate um, the sugar in your body. Are there ways that you can kind of see um, or guess that somebody has a blood sugar imbalance? Absolutely. So if someone comes to me and says, Jeanette, like, I have no idea why, but like five o'clock hits and I'm at home with my boyfriend. All of a sudden, I just get so angry at him. And, you know, <laughs> in conjunction with that, I'm also freaking hungry. I'm like, hangry. you know, yeah, right. Like hangry is a real thing. It affects me all the time. And, you know, of course, I use this as an example, because literally anytime I'm feeling like a really, really low mood, or I'm feeling anxious, the first thing my partner says to me is, when's the last time you ate? Because <laughs> going back, right? Because going back to what Katrina was saying before is like, we are, are in this like rat race sometimes. And even as holistic practitioners, we really try to, um, you know, lead a balanced life, but it's not always that way. We're also entrepreneurs, you know, we're hustling every day and it can be really easy to skip meals or, you know, eat meals that maybe aren't as blood sugar balancing as we uh, would hope for. Yep. I feel you on the hangry episodes. I've had a lot of those. <laughs> <in my life. laughs> yeah, girl. <laughs> so I love this um, chat. It's already been an hour, I think, which is crazy. Um, <laughs> wow. You have to cut just, a lot of that, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kind of just want to end things off with, if you have any like one or two tips about if somebody is dealing with anxiety or depression and wants to go the natural route, doesn't really know where to start, what would be like 
a tip or two for them? Like what would be the first things you would give them as advice? Kat, do you want to go first? Um, sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, some personal experience, there are a few things that I would say, and then I guess also from like a fitness professional experience, there'd be a couple things too. Um, I think that the first thing I would do, uh, or say to a person who's experiencing, you know, mental health crisis is to acknowledge and remember that you're, you're not alone in it. Um, like we talked about, it can be very isolating. Um, if you have the ability to reach out to somebody, uh, I would do that first and foremost. Um, the second thing is uh, making a choice. So when you're battling with mental illness and in all of its varying degrees, it can be really hard to make a decision about something. Um, I have to very consciously choose every single day to take care of myself. That is something that I've had to do for a long time. Um, and I do that in very, very simple and small ways. So for example, um, choosing to, you know, take your makeup off before you go to bed. That's an act of, uh, an act of self-care. So making a choice each day to maybe move a little bit, um, maybe eat something that you know is going to feel good for your body, uh, that, that in itself is, is taking care of yourself, right? So that would be the second thing. Um, the third thing I would suggest, um, this one's a little bit uh, difficult for some people, but if you have an animal or if you know someone that has an animal like spend time with animals um Amen. my my <laughs> seriously yeah they're they're so therapeutic and I mean if you have a dog that's gonna first of all get you outside to start with moving but my cat Pablo has been a huge help for me with my my depression and and having something else to take care of has given me a lot of motivation to take care of myself more so um, I would just say find something that you love and, and do that thing and just, and, and just choose, make a choice every day to be a bit more conscious in what you're doing. Love it. What about you, Jeanette? Well, that was very comprehensive <laughs> and I agree. <laughs> um, with, no, honestly, um, with everything um, that Katrina has just said, um, it, it's hard because everything is so individualized. Um, but absolutely, mm -hmm. I would say, um, from, you know, if I'm putting my nutritionist hat on, I would say, um, make some time to cook yourself some food, even the act of something that's homemade. I don't even care if it's quote unquote healthy. Um, if it's something that you love and that's going to provide you comfort and you've made it with your own two hands, um, that is a fantastic place to start because again, you know, going back to self-love, that is an, an amazing way to, to just nourish yourself um, and then share that with other people. Um, and my second one I think would be is to just start to, to share. And I know that can be really hard as well too. Um, but even if it's, you know, to, to your mom, to your dad, um, to your cousin, to a friend, um, you know, there's, there's definitely people out there that want to hear from you, um, and that will support you because this is, this affects honestly pretty much everyone, you know, it might not affect every individual specifically, but they definitely know someone who has experienced something like this before. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Love those tips. Thank you so much for all of the knowledge bombs you guys dropped today. Um, I absolutely <laughs> love the work that you do, Jeanette and Katrina. I know that your event is coming soon. Yay. So if you guys want to talk a little bit about that and any projects that you're working on that you kind of want to put out there, um, go to town. Mm. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So yes, Laurence, thank you for alluding to our event. So our event is, uh, is a combination, of course, of both of our strengths. So we're going to be talking about nutrition as well as movement and the beneficial effects when it comes to mental wellness. Um, this is an event that's been a while in the making. Um, I would say, you know, I think we originally like first wanted to get together, like probably again about a year or so ago. Yeah. Yeah. We first met each other and, um, you know, I'm really excited about it because we've never really done anything like this uh, for, like in the North Shore community before. Um, and I don't think many events like this really even exist um, in Vancouver and in BC. 
Um, so this is going to be really great. Um, it's happening at the VitaSave storefront, um, which is essentially, it's in North Vancouver. It's really easy to get to, um, even if you live downtown. Um, so yeah, if you need the details for that, um, I think we can include the link somewhere. Yeah, we'll put all the links in the show notes. Amazing, amazing. And aside from that, of course, um, Katrina and I, we both have our own uh, private practices. I see people online around the world. Um, and so if you need more information about nutrition, um, specifically regarding mental health, feel free to reach out. Um, you can find me online. And should we talk about the Connection Project? Okay, I mean, we can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess. I'm intrigued well, now. <laughs> we may as well, we may, like, so, do you want to talk about it? <laughs> I Sure, yeah, I can talk about it, yeah. Talk so, about um, first and then talk about Okay, it. okay, okay. So, um, <laughs> of course, for me, I'm a, I'm a personal trainer in North Vancouver. Um, I'm training out of a few different locations right now, but you can find me at Club 16 on Lonsdale, uh, down at Genesis by Capilano Mall, and I also do some home visits as well. So I'm all over the place. You can find me everywhere. Um, I'm also pursuing my uh, holistic nutrition certificate as well. So I am a busy lady. Um, <laughs> but uh, alongside building my own uh, personal business, uh, Jeanette and I have also, you know, um, as we do, banged our heads together for a little while. And we've come up with a new project um, that we're super excited about. And it's going to be, I think, honestly, probably one of the first of its kind, um, we are introducing something called the Connection Project. Um, we feel that there is a lack of connection to our, our minds and our bodies in not only, you know, Jeanette's industry in nutrition and my industry in training. Um, it seems like, Laurence, as you said, there's a, a huge focus on aesthetics and not as much on the mind-body connection that we are so desperately craving and we don't even realize that we're craving. So um, we're in the works of putting together um, a series of workshops that are going to be fairly similar to the talk that you'll see at VitaSave that we're doing. Um, basically just helping people understand the things that are happening in their bodies and how, um, how movement and nutrition can help them feel better in them. And, uh, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be really fun. We're going to have, um, you know, a workout, there's going to be food involved because who doesn't want food and treats. Um, and then of course a bunch of information and knowledge about, um, very, very specific things that are happening to most of us, um, in 2018. Amazing. That's so exciting. I had no idea that was happening. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will definitely share all of the links in the show notes so people can check it out. I really encourage anybody in Vancouver, North Vancouver, to check out the VitaSave event coming up on Thursday, 7.30 to 9 p.m. It's going to be really cool. There's going to be a lot of goodies, too. So So many. Man, we've got Cosmatic, St. Francis, uh, genuine health, uh, Purica just signed on. Like it's, it's going to be insane. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's That's just like our working. little, our little faces. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. That yeah. Too, yeah. Of course. Of course. <laughs> well, thank you so much for hopping on today. I had a lovely chat with you. I know that the listeners will love this as well. So thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having us. This has been great. Yeah. Thanks so much, Laurence, for, uh, for opening up the space to talk about this really, really important topic. And um, it, means, it means a lot to us that we're able to come on here and, and talk about what matters to us most. Of course, I totally agree. And I think that's the beauty of having a podcast. You can reach the masses. You can talk about whatever you want, really important conversations to have. So I'm really grateful that you were able to come on and talk to me about this. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Okay, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you loved it. Please check out all the links in the show notes if you are interested in the events or anything that we talked about. I really encourage you, if you are in Vancouver, to check out this event on Thursday at VitaSave Storefront, just off of Lonsdale. It will be from 7.30 until 9 p.m. with Jeanette and Katrina. You'll be going away, as we mentioned, with a lot of goodies. So really awesome supplements like mushrooms and probiotics and a whole notebook on 
the event. So you'll be going away with lots of good stuff and of course, amazing information. So if you yourself suffer from anxiety or depression, or if you know anybody, definitely let them know this is going to be an amazing event. Uh, tickets are $20. And it will be at the VitaSafe storefront. So if you are interested, definitely check out um, on eventbrite.ca. There's the event. You can buy it through there. You can also call the store or you can go in-store and buy tickets. Or you can just message me if you're not too sure where to go. If this sounds confusing, message me and I can give you all the details and get you signed up. So I hope to see you there. And thank you so much for tuning in once again. Thank you for listening to my episode and I hope that you found it valuable.